Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Todd. Dr. Wignall, how are you? Good. How you doing? Yeah, good. Good. We are going to talk today about social anxiety. Mm-hmm. This is a big, broad category. I think that's what you were alluding to when we discussed this episode, that that this was not a um, one-size-fits-all kind of presentation. Yeah, a lot lot of things, yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces with this, a lot of different forms, I think, that social anxiety can take. So, like, Mm -hmm. let's, we'll kind of both go through and just list off some of the maybe presentations of social anxiety. We'll kind of switch back and forth. So maybe a fairly obvious one that I see a lot is worrying about what other people think of you, right? You're in the moment, in, in the, the moment. moment, you're in yeah. a meeting at work and you make a suggestion. And then as soon as it words come out of your mouth, you're starting to thinking like, Oh, what, is, you know, what's Bob from accounting thinking of like, is he thinking I'm dumb and that like, I don't really know what I'm talking about. And you know, yeah. So worrying about what other people are thinking of you or your performance. Or, or what they, yeah, what they will think of you if you do say that. If you do raise this question, is everybody going to think you're an idiot? Yeah. And this is a very heady form of social anxiety. It's like you're kind of lost in your own thoughts. You've just got this running like monologue about like what other people are saying. And you, you, you tend to get kind of distracted and detached from like what's actually going on and, and like the conversations you're in. Yeah, I usually have a, a discussion with clients around this as, as your attention is a limited resource. It's a finite resource. Um, and this is why driving and texting is a bad idea, right? Dividing your attention is a bad idea. Um, and in conversations, when, when 50% of the dialogue in your head is, oh God, does Bob from accounting hate me and not like me or think I'm stupid, it's real hard to be present and listen to the conversation that's going on and contribute in a meaningful right. way. Yeah. What do you got? Um, I, I have a, a, an interesting um, experience with a client years ago who was very um, gregarious, affable, um, jovial because of severe social anxiety. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, because no, normally you would sort of dissociate those two things. Right, you right. Think of socially anxious people as introverts and mm-hmm, shy. Mm-hmm. And, okay. This person learned um, basically that getting the laughs was a way to ensure that people liked him. Mm-hmm. And that's what the real driver was that people have to like me. And they're so afraid and anxious about people not liking them that they're trying to be the funny person constantly, constantly joke, make people laugh, be sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's a good one. Cause it's very counterintuitive. Very. Yeah. Kind of an interesting yeah. form. Yeah. There's another form of social anxiety. I, I see a lot that's, I think it's actually probably more like panic, technically speaking, but I, I think you can still sort of lump it under social anxiety, which is what you might call agoraphobia, which is mm-hmm. it's a technical term, but it's basically you have a lot of anxiety about being anxious in front of other people and then mm-hmm. feeling kind of like stuck and trapped mm-hmm. and like you got to kind of escape, right? Other um, people are going to see it. Other people are going to know it. Other people are going to yeah. make it hard for you so to get away. Yeah. It's similar to like worrying about what other people think of you, but it's, it's not so much what they think of you like as a person or as an employee, but it's like you, your anxiety is going to be apparent to them and mm-hmm. then you're not going to be able to like deal with that somehow. And so you got to get out of there before someone yeah. realizes that you're, that you're as anxious as you are. 
in public in public yeah yeah right um another one sort of again kind of related but pretty distinct is imposter syndrome it was another mm-hmm. it's sort of related to what other people think of you but it's this mm-hmm. specific version of of that which is like they're gonna find out i'm a phony like i'm yeah. not as good as they think i am others don't know the real me the real me which yeah. is not good right an imposter <laughs> which is, which not, is not what i'm not yeah which is not who they think i am yep yeah yep. they see me as competent worthy um worthy of this merit or, or whatever it is that i am not yeah yeah any other kind of forms of social anxiety that strike you well, i mean you see a lot of avoidance um um in, in lots of the anxiety um kind of kind of vein um but no i think those are probably the the top contenders right there yeah i got just one more occurred to me i think um shyness it sort of mm. falls on an, a spectrum and and if you get far enough on the spectrum of being shy i think that can be a form of like of social anxiety where you just you know you walk into a, a party and you sort of the person who sort of like hovers around the outside, right? Like you're sitting in corners, you're out of the back porch, just kind of trying to avoid the limelight. And there's only a few people mm-hmm. you feel comfortable talking with. And, um, or maybe, and this is another weird one. Maybe you this often gets even... confused with like introversion, right? It's like you pick up the camouflage of I'm an introvert. Yeah. 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 So anyway, it's not the same thing. Yeah. It's not quite the same thing. Um, but point, point being, there are a lot of different forms of social anxiety, but it's basically anxiety related to kind of other people and your relation to other people. Um, Mm -hmm. so like obviously begs the question, like if you're struggling with any of these, like what are like, what do you, what do you do? Cause this can be pretty crippling, you know, (laughs) like social anxiety. Yeah brutal and not just because it feels bad the anxiety part of it but because you end up either missing out on a lot of potentially valuable enjoyable experiences that are social you know you you don't go for that new promotion at, at work that would be really awesome because it's going to involve more public speaking or something right or you just you don't get to do you, you know you don't uh you don't travel and go on trips because, you know, you don't like being around people in unusual situations or like whatever point is you end up like missing out on a lot of life in addition to just the fact that it's, it can be really anxious. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's, it's really tragic actually when you talk to people who really struggle with, with severe social anxiety, because it it really limits your life because so much of life, we don't realize it, but so much of life is very social. Social. Yeah. Yeah, We're we're social animals. So if you're, if you struggle with this, it kind of does strike at the heart of what it is to be human and Mm -hmm. and form bonds and have relationships and date and um, see friends and go to a restaurant and all of those things. And I think that's an important distinction there is that people with social anxiety, they, on some level, they want to do those things, right? It's, it's, they're not like, um, it's not like schizoid personality or something where they literally have no interest in being around other people. That's a very uncommon sort of um, right. part of the, what makes social anxiety hard is that craving for genuine connection and intimacy and, and whatever to be around people, but struggling with it, finding it hard, finding it anxiety producing, um, mm-hmm. wanting to be vulnerable, wanting to be yourself, wanting to express yourself, but feeling like you can't, that tension is part of what makes it so brutal. And so disturbing and hard to live with. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. That, that disparity between what you want and what you're not, not having. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. So when you work with people with those social anxiety, like given that it's such a varied presentation, um, what, what are some kind of common um, tips, strategies, approaches for getting rid of it sounds <laughs> uh, grandiose, but at least like working on it a little bit, kind of improving um, a tad? Like how do, you, how do you think about approaching this struggle? I, I think it's a pairing of mindfulness and exposure therapies, I think, mm. or exposure practice, I guess. I mean, a lot of anxiety... Um, um, you know, it's anxiety, fear-based, so you're doing a lot of exposure anyway, but especially for social anxiety to get better at experiencing that nervousness and still doing social things. I mean, right away, you want to help people realize uh, avoiding isn't the answer, and the more you avoid, the worse this is going to get, in fact. So you're trying to um, do some immediate triage by kind of uh, reconnecting them to the idea of tolerating that emotion rather than avoiding it altogether by avoiding every social event. Yeah. And I think, I think you see this in our, in our, the field has really advanced um, along these lines in the sense of like you, the, the older like approach was, well, you've got these like irrational thoughts in your head about so-and-so doesn't like me, even though I have no evidence to think that so-and-so doesn't like me, or I'm not doing very well at this thing, even though I have no evidence to, and it was all about kind of identifying those kind of distorted thought patterns and then like correcting them, looking for those cognitive distortions and like coming up with more realistic appraisals and all this kind of stuff. And while there's maybe a place for that, I think what you see the field moving much more towards and because it gets much better results is like you say, this combination of kind of mindfulness and exposure, which is, I don't need to get rid of my social anxiety. I need to get better at being social alongside it, tolerating mm-hmm. it, like you said, which has the, the long-term benefit of eventually your social anxiety will actually go down <laughs> if mm-hmm. you're more willing to tolerate it in the short term, right? Yeah, but, it's not, but it's tricky because it's, it's not about getting rid of your, like if you want to get rid of your social anxiety, you can't try and get rid of it. <laughs> you, <laughs> you have to do things despite feeling anxious socially. And in the long-term, that will teach you to, to be more confident and your anxiety will go down to some degree as a result. Is that, is, is that fair? Yeah. Usually what's happened by, by the time someone comes into the office, maybe to talk to you about this is that they've, they've really rehearsed avoidant strategies to deal with this feeling. Mm-hmm. So when they go out to the movie and, and um, you know, to meet some friends there um, they've practiced this enough to know that they just, they don't get popcorn and drinks because then you have to talk to people. You just go right mm-hmm. to your seat and sit down and the theater's quiet. So you don't have to talk to anybody. Right. And you're sitting in a line. So it doesn't make sense to talk to anybody. Um, and, and that's and so the, they, like and one of four activities you're willing to do because you can sort of get away with not. Because once the movie starts, much. nobody's talking and I don't have to. Yeah. And, and so you see that this, um, that individuals have practiced these responses and know these kind of avoidant maneuvers and tricks so that they don't have to feel anxious and, um, and so immediately you're trying to help them be better at being anxious, yes. not to escape the anxiety. Yes. Bit. How do you get better at being anxious and talk to people when you're getting popcorn and, and do those things? So I love it. That, that's such a great and really a more positive, empowering way of not only is it more true in terms of what's helpful, it's also just more empowering to look at it from the perspective of not how do I escape anxiety or how do I fix it or, or get rid of it, right? It's how do I get better at doing it? Yeah. And, it, and it's funny because their solution, when you first meet with them, 
um, their solution is still along the lines of their own strategy, which is tell me something to make the anxiety go away. Give me a right? coping skill to make yeah. my anxiety. What go. do I do to not feel this thing? And and it's it's often kind of disheartening, I think, when clients learn that you're there to help them experience that thing better. Yeah. And that's where, in my experience, more severe cases of social anxiety are always meta-anxiety. People develop anxiety about anxiety because when you try to run away from or get rid of your anxiety for long enough, you teach your brain that to feel anxious about what other people think is itself dangerous, which means you're going to get anxious as soon as you get anxious. Or means something's wrong with me or means something's bad about me. compounding anxiety, which is what really gets debilitating. Yeah. Then every time you get anxious, you're also reminded of the fact that you're a piece of crap. Exactly. Something's really wrong with you. And yeah. Right. And so I I think that's just so key is that like, if you take nothing else away from this, it's that trying to get rid of or escape from your anxiety while maybe uh, will make you feel better in the short term, it's going to make it much worse in the long term. And that ironically, getting, being willing to have that anxiety and, and do stuff despite it while hard in the short term is the thing that will actually lead to it going down in the long term. You feeling more confident and less anxious around people in the long term. Well, and, and a better all over quality of life for you. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're a little anxious from time to time, you're, you're going to be doing the things you want to do. You'll be experiencing those things you want to, you might feel anxious while you're doing them sometimes. Um, but, but you're right. The more you practice being willing at being anxious, the more you are willing to be anxious and you practice something enough and pretty soon it doesn't bother you at all. So, um, yeah, ironically, you know, being more willing to be anxious will help you experience less anxiety. Yeah. Because you don't, but that's not the goal. No, because <laughs> you don't get rid of anxiety. You drown it out with confidence. And the only way you get confidence <laughs> is you learn how to tolerate it and live with it and do stuff despite it. Right. Right. Yeah. And the only way to get confidence is to do it a lot. Right. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.